Well, hello there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for listening to episode three of the Tone Junkie podcast. Um, really, really appreciate the support, guys. I mean, uh, I've been hearing people coming over from the Gear page, from Kemper PNW on Facebook, from Gear Talk PNW on Facebook, uh, and just the Facebook and Instagram uh, Tone Junkie. Uh, pages. Really appreciate all the support. People coming over from YouTube and stuff. Really appreciate uh, that you guys are enjoying the podcast and really appreciate the people who have reached out and let me know uh, what topics they'd enjoy hearing. We're going to have some great uh, guests coming up on the podcast, which is going to be really cool. And uh, just having a ton of fun. Really appreciate you. Uh, three part episode today, uh, three segment show. First, we're going to get into custom shop fenders. Are they worth the price? Are they worth the price of admission? There's a lot, a lot of competition. Bolt-on neck guitars, made in America. There's a lot of competition. Next, we're going to talk about why HW got banned from the gear page, uh, at least for a week, and why I think those guys need to chill out sometimes. Um, Then we're going to get into Gibson. They filed bankruptcy and, uh, well, what's next for Gibson? What, what are my thoughts on bankruptcy and what I'd like to see them do coming out of bankruptcy? So all that and more coming up on this episode, episode three of the Tone Junkie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Are Fender Custom Shop Instruments worth it? I've gotten this question before. Uh, People know I love Sir Guitars. People know I love this PRS Silver Sky. I'm kind of in the honeymoon phase with it. I talked about it a lot in episode one. Um, But a lot of people know that I have a very special Strat named Goldie. And it's named Goldie because it's a Gold Sparkle 59 Journeyman Relic Stratocaster with hand-wound dual mag pickups. It's a tremendous guitar. I'm staring at it right now as I record this podcast. I'm just gazing at it. And that is a guitar that, I'll tell you what I do, sometimes I leave it off, off the wall and I put it in the guitar stand and it catches my eye every time I come in the room. I put it right where I can see it as I come in the room and it catches my eye and I always think, that is a fantastic looking guitar. And it really is a fantastic player. It's, it sounds great. You can hear Goldie on the YouTube channel and on Facebook. Is it worth it? I'm going to put this out there. Goldie costs me about $3,500 and change. And, change. and that was with 20% off. Um, because Goldie was more expensive than that, but I got it at a, uh, a Fender event. I got it at an event uh, at Artisan Guitars in Franklin, Tennessee, when the Fender Custom Shop came out to do a presentation. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit, but are Fender Custom Shop instruments worth it? I think uh, it's hard to really answer this question without admitting that the Silver Sky is $22.99, that Sir has a bunch of models at $21.95. That LSL comes in around that price point. That Tom Anderson has some stuff a little bit more expensive. I think if we're being honest, there are strats, there are tellies, there probably are some some jazz masters, maybe some jaguars out there that I would say are Fender custom shop quality at a lower price. Okay, so how can Fender custom shop instruments be worth it if the competition is the same quality the body's the same shape, just the headstock's a little bit different. How can it be worth it if you get the same quality for less money? That's a really good question. Um, I think it's fair to point out that you know companies like Sir are not going for the most vintage sort of spec. A lot of times they're going for vintage looks um, with some more modern uh, flare thrown in, whether that be a compound radius or some single coils that have a little more mid-range to sort of match nicely to a humbucker in an HSS configuration. That's why I think Sir makes an incredible strat. 
Um, maybe it's their own uh, P90 pickups, which uh, sound phenomenal, but um, are a little different than the P90s you find in other in other guitars. They're my favorite P90s. That JM Pro I have uh, is just my favorite P90s, and that's why I keep that guitar. But they're not they're not the same P90s you find in, in other guitars. They're a little bit unique. They're kind of higher output, and the bridge is not very bright. Uh, it's actually more mid rangey, which I really enjoy. Um, I noticed the Sir Tele pickups tend to be um, they're they're lower output, and I wouldn't call them thin, but they're bright. Um, they're not like broadcasters. Um, the JM Pro, I'm sorry, not the JM Pro. The uh, the Silver Sky. The Silver Sky is uh, is a tremendous instrument, but hey, probably the easiest thing to say about the Silver Sky is if you're really into vintage looks, the Silver Sky is not for you. Is that enough to make a Fender Custom Shop guitar worth it? Well, I had never purchased a Fender Custom Shop instrument until I went to this event. It was a custom shop event near my house, like I mentioned, and um, there was a master builder there. And the master builder gave a presentation, and some of the salespeople gave a presentation, and it was just an opportunity for the custom shop to explain why they were different. Let me ask you a question. Did you know that the custom shop, on all custom shop Fender guitars, did you know that the stamped metal pieces come from the same molds, the same press machines that Leo Fender used in the 50s on his production guitars? Did you know that the bridge of a Telecaster made right now in the custom shop can be forensically matched back to the original production Telecaster because the pressed metal pieces are made on the same machines as they are today? Did you know if you're in the shop there, um, if you're in the shop there in Corona, and you get up on a ladder or on a chair and you look at the top of some of these machines, you can see audit stamps, inventory tags dating back to 1955, uh, back to the first inventories that Fender was doing as a company to account for their machinery, to pay taxes on their machinery. Uh, Did you know that that stuff is still in the Fender Custom Shop today? Did you know that my uh, dual mag pickups in my Strat, and I have another pair which I won, um, which uh, I'll get into that story in a moment, but I won a pair of Tomatillo pickups. And uh, did you know that those pickups are hand-wound still by Josefina Campos in the Fender Custom Shop? Did you know that she winds them on a machine that do not use a counter, but she actually does it and guides it by hand, just like they used to do in the 50s? Did you know that there's no way she could produce two pickups that are exactly alike? That the coils have to fall, I'm sorry, the the wire has to fall over itself in a different pattern every time? That she's winding them hotter or, or cooler, just depending on her eye that day and her feel? So that when you get a custom shop instrument, a custom shop Fender instrument, and they have hand-wound pickups, those pickups are like snowflakes. They're completely unique. There are no two pickups alike, and there is no pickup set alike, exactly alike, in these hand-wound pickups. Did you know that Fender still is the only company shooting nitrous cellulose in California because it's illegal? So what they had to do was build a giant afterburner on top of their facility to go ahead 
and shoot nitro. And after the fumes go into the afterburner, the air that comes out is actually more clean than the air started originally before they shot the nitro. They're actually uh, net positive for the environment in California because they're shooting nitro, which is illegal in the state of California unless you have this giant afterburner. Did you know they did that because they didn't want to leave California because they have too much heritage there? And this is what really got me. Mike Eldridge, offender fame, who's now been fired. And uh, if you know the story, he was John Mayer's main guy at Fender. Mike got fired, and then John said it wasn't the same company and went to PRS. He used to tell his guys this. This isn't a job. This is a calling. You are here to preserve a piece of Americana a piece of history, music history, American history. These are iconic shapes and they're part of our of our history and they need to be preserved. And that is why the Fender Custom Shop is still making this stuff with extraordinary accuracy. Extraordinary accuracy. Did you know they have a guy there whose only job is to match bodies and necks? Did you know that the master builders... They could just go grab a bunch of stamped pieces from a big drawer. Someone stamped a million input jacks, and they could just take them out. But they don't do that. The master builders go stamp their stuff by hand. Did you know that uh, you know they could just go over to the team-built side and say, hey, give me a neck with some frets on it, and I'll polish it. I'm a master builder. I'll, I'll do a great job leveling these frets. No. They put in every fret by hand by themselves. They, sh- they do all of it. They shape the neck. They do everything. It's tremendous how serious they take these instruments. And I got to tell you something. Knowing that I own a guitar where the stamped metal pieces are made on the same machine that the original 1954 Strat is, knowing that I own a guitar where the pickups are hand-wound by a lady who's been winding pickups since the 60s, knowing that they were done the same way, not with automation, not with a a counter, not so that everyone is the same, but so that everyone is not the same, so that each one is different, knowing that there is not another Strat out there in the world like my Goldie. That is romantic. And I am romantic about guitars. Now, maybe you're not, but I am. Next to Goldie on my wall, I have, have, I have a Gibson 335 in red, in trans red uh, cherry, you know, trans cherry, and it's got some flame on it and a block inlay. And I'll tell you what, I don't own that guitar because I love the pickups. In fact, I'm trying to replace the pickups right now. I don't own that guitar because Gibson makes guitars that stay in tune tremendously. They do not. I do not own that guitar because it is my best playing or best sounding guitar. I own that guitar because when I was younger, I had a poster of Eric Clapton in Cream and he played that guitar. And because I'm romantic about that guitar. And I'm romantic about Goldie. I've been playing guitar for 15 or so years maybe. It's probably started when I was 15. I'm about 31 now. And you want to know something that I realized the other day? I don't think I've ever named a guitar. But I've named Goldie. 
I've named Goldie because when I showed up in that little theater and they started showing pictures of how the guitars were made, how they used to be made, and this master builder started speaking about the two guitars he had brought that day. That's why I got a good deal on it. I got 20% off because the store hadn't even purchased the guitar yet from Fender. I paid for the guitar and Fender hadn't even billed him yet for it. I mean, it wasn't even in their system. I know usually they'd get billed later, but you know, usually stores have like 30 days or 60 days to sell the stuff and then pay, pay the manufacturer. But in this case, the store didn't even realize they were bringing two guitars, but they showed up. And as I sat there, I saw Goldie and they told the story. They said, this bridge could be traced back and the master builder did this. Now, mine's a team built, but, but this is what they do at the Fender Custom Shop, you know? There's a team building, just like there was back in the, in the 50s and the 60s. And, and these were hand-wound by Josefina Campos. And, and here's a picture of her and here's her machine. Look at this machine. It dates all the way back and, and all this stuff. And, and it's unique. Everyone is a snowflake. And it just sat there and it glistened at me and it sat on the stage. And then they saw said, we have a special guest. Robin Ford is going to come out and play. And Robin Ford came out and played for about 90 minutes. And I watched Goldie just sit there and soak up the tones, soak up the tones from Robin Ford and his beautiful playing and his rig and his vintage Epiphone. And uh, it was just tremendous. And at the end, I walked up and I grabbed the guitar and I went to the owner of the shop. Now, mind you, this is late at night in a theater, not in the store. They had probably had a two-hour presentation, and then uh, Robin Ford had played for 90 minutes. So, so it started at like 7, I think. So maybe this is – so the presentation ended at 9, and then this is about 10.30 at night. I grabbed the guitar, and I walked up to the owner of the shop, who I saw in the front of the theater, and I said, are you going to go back to the store right now because I need to try this instrument because I'd like to take it home tonight? $3,500. Is so much money. $3,500 is more than I believe I've ever spent on anything. Anything. That's more, that's like maybe the, I bought a house. Twice I bought a house. I don't own two right now, but I bought one, sold one, bought another one. Okay. Those were the only two purchases I can think that were larger. I guess a car. I bought a car. A car and a house is the only thing I can think that's larger than the $3,500 purchase. I really I really can't think of an... I, definitely there's no guitar purchases. It's huge. That's more money than I, than I think you need to spend. That's more money than I thought I would ever spend. It's not because Goldie has something in the playability. It's not because Goldie has something in, 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 in the tone that other guitars can't get close to. They get close... Goldie sounds like Goldie. Does it sound better? You know, right now, if you go on the YouTube channel, there is a, a video of the Silver Sky in a shootout with Goldie and with a Bluesman Vintage Strat. And I don't think there's a clear winner in that video. Can I say Goldie sounds better than the Silver Sky? No. Can I say the Silver Sky sounds better than Goldie? No, I don't think so. They sound a little different. They both sound awesome. They both sound tremendous. But I'm romantic about Goldie. Goldie is like a girl I fell in love with. I showed up somewhere. I saw her across the room. I had to have her. I, I had to run up and kiss her. I ran up and claimed Goldie as my own. 3500 whatever, right? I remember that night, someone said to me, I said, man, this guitar. And they said, just remember, you either buy it or you lose it forever. I don't know who that guy was, but he's probably the reason I own Goldie today. And that's 
that's not a bad outlook on some pieces of gear. If you find something you really like, you got to remember, there is no second chance. You either buy it or you lose it forever. But Goldie's the first guitar I've ever, I've ever uh, named. And I realize it's because I'm romantic about Goldie. That's what the Fender Custom Shop is selling. So is it worth it? When I play Goldie, I feel like even though the neck radius is nine and a half, not seven and a quarter, everything else is true vintage on it. And I know it was manufactured on machinery that made the first strap. And I know it was finished and, and, and put together in the same way that they made the first ones. So when I play Goldie, I feel like I feel like I'm a little bit connected to the history. I feel like I'm a little bit connected to all of the players from before, to all of the famous strats, to the original ones, to the purest, most basic example from the genius Leo Fender's mind to my hands. Goldie is the link. So are they worth it? I think if you realize the pickups are snowflakes and what goes into it, the love that goes into it, and the honor that goes into maintaining the tradition, if that's worth it to you, then I think, then I think it's worth it. And in the case of Goldie, I have no regrets. I wouldn't recommend everyone go out and get a Goldie. I think there's the same playability and probably the same tone out of other guitars that are probably half of Goldie's price, a little more than half maybe. But I'm romantic about Goldie because I'm a tone junkie. I hope you are satisfied with the answer. Segment two, I was recently banned from the gear page. Bummer, bummer, bummer. Um, if you don't know, the gear page is an online guitar forum, and uh, it's, it's a great one. Uh, it is probably the forum that I frequent the most um, for guitar stuff. Um, usually today I spend a little more time on some of the groups on Facebook that are, that are pointed at specific things. Maybe it's pointed specifically at PRS guitars, specifically at Sur guitars, um, specifically at the Kemper, something like that. But I'm a big fan of the gear page. I got a lot of buddies on there and I go on there a lot. Um, I'm a lurker now, but I used to, uh, be on there a lot. I've been a gold supporting member of the gear page for, uh, for, for probably a decade at least. Um, so I do love the gear page. I am bummed that I was banned. Um, although I, I, I will protest. Uh, the uh, I have no one to appeal to except for my podcast listeners. So I'll tell you why I was banned because I really just think it's silly. They said that I was banned for inappropriate spamming and advertising, which I did not do. I did not do it. I understand sort of how they're thinking that's similar to what I did, but it's really a little bit silly. Here's what happened. I uploaded a video of the PRS Silver Sky shootout. If, you, uh, uh, if you're interested in that video, it's up online right now, but you won't find it on the gear page anymore. Um, I, I uploaded it, and it's the Silver Sky versus a custom shop Strat, like we talked about, and uh, versus a Bluesman vintage guitar. Now, in that, I had a guy come over to my house. His name is Desi Cerna. And I'm going to give him his plug here. He runs a website um, that is very cool, and it's called, uh, uh, I think it's called Guitar Music Theory. Um, yes, guitar, uh, guitarmusictheory.com. Desi Cerna is a heck of a guitar player. He came over to my house. We do the entire video. We shoot it all, blah, blah, blah. We shoot it all. We do. He plays Little Wing beautifully on all three instruments in the beginning of this video. It, they sound stellar. There's no winner in this video. There's no loser. 
we are the winners. The players are the winners because all these guitars are available for us. It's incredible. However, after he left, I recorded a short intro and outro. And in the outro, I tried to be a nice guy and give Desi a plug because he was nice enough to come over to my house and uh, hang out with me and play um, and let me play his PRS Silver Sky. And at the end, I said, you should check out Desi Cerna at his website. You can find the link in the description. I didn't even put the website in the video. I didn't mention it my name. I did not put it up on the screen. I said, you should check out Desi Cerna at his website. You can find the link in the description. I forgot that I put that in the video because normally I'm very aware that the forums are very strict about mentioning websites, especially your website. And I wasn't really thinking about it because it's Desi's website and I wasn't plugging myself and I'm not selling anything in the video. I'm just talking about the Silver Sky and, and strats and stuff. And, uh, but, and even when I posted it there, I put a little blurb, hey, we shot out the Silver Sky. I didn't put a link to it anywhere. So this is what gets me. If you were one of the people who watched the full 18-minute video, it's literally in the last like 40 seconds that I say you should check out Desi Cerna. He's a great author and teacher and guitar player. You should check him out at his website. You can find a link in the description. Except on the gear page, there was no description with a link. So I'm just going to chop this up to uh, the forums being a little bit of a harsh place. Um, being a little bit hostile towards people who have things for sale. Hostile's too strong a word. I get they're just they're just doing their job, but uh, it is frustrating. I made a mistake, and now there's no. I guess I'm off the gear page for a week. So I, whatever, I'll make some more content for a week or something. Anyway, that's why I got banned from the gear page. Segment three: Gibson guitars. Oh man, how I love to hate Gibson guitars. Um, actually, I love the models and everything. I hate the QC that's been coming out in some of the models lately. Some of the pickups, I think, have been atrocious. But I'm really excited to see what happens here. I'm actually really rooting for Gibson in this. I'm really hoping we get just a great, great guitar company out of this. This would not be the first time that a manufacturer of guitars, Fender uh, is who I'm talking about, um, it, it wouldn't be the first time that a manufacturer of guitars has reached the bottom and then climbed its way out of it. Uh, when CBS owned Fender, it was doing very poorly. And in the early 80s, uh, FMIC, which was a group of investors and the employees at Fender themselves, uh, purchased the company, formed uh, Fender Musical Instrument Corporation, and that's who we have today. That is Fender today, and I think they're making some great stuff. Uh, Gibson, oh man, they, they have such a heritage that they aren't even tapping into. There are so many missed opportunities for Gibson. Uh, it, it, it's just... Honestly, to me, it's so easy to make this more successful than it is because while the guitar side of Gibson is making money and they've been sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, weighed down with these bad investments in the consumer electronics stuff and everything, blah, 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 I don't think that's the biggest problem. I, I think all that stuff is a distraction because the door is wide open for Gibson to make better stuff and be more popular. How we haven't seen some awesome models coming from Gibson. If you want to see really like just th th the unexplainable absence from, from Gibson in certain types of music is astounding. Where is Gibson in the praise and worship scene? Now, I know you're thinking, oh, HW, the praise and worship scene isn't very big. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Let me explain something to you. 
go around your local town, and unless you live in Nashville like I do, um, unless you live maybe in L.A., but certainly where I was in before in San Francisco, there's more music. There's more live music in cities across this country on Sunday mornings than there are on Friday nights. There, Did you hear me? There's more live music on Sunday mornings than on Friday nights in most major cities around America. I'm making that statement. Think about it for a minute. In San Francisco, where I was from, I moved to Nashville two years ago, the music scene was dead. It was dead. All the places were closing that were doing live music. There was still some places, but there were churches everywhere. The middle of this country is full of churches. Now, Nashville's always got so much, and where I am now, Nashville's always got so much live music going on. But man, we've got churches too. Churches have grabbed onto live music, and I would venture to say more people are seeing live music in church than anywhere else right now in America. What an interesting time. Where's Gibson? Where's Gibson in that scene? If you think that guitar makers, pedal makers, uh, amp makers are not aware that P&W players spend a lot of money and buy a lot of the gear out there, um, guess again. Look at the promotional stuff that Boss put out when they released the DD500, RV500, and that chorus pedal they did. I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember the the 500 name. Um, It was basically a guy playing the Edge covers, basically a guy playing Praise and Worship. He was he was playing a very P and W style. It was rhythmic delay, it was ambient verb, and they were very clear. They were going after Strymon, and they were going for that type of player, the player who wants the Strymon stuff, who wants all those delays and reverbs and everything. Where's Gibson there? Is it that they don't have single coils? Is it that they do humbuckers? Uh, guys, they have P nineties, and people are playing Jazz Masters now. I know. I know that jazz masters don't normally have P90s, but guess what? The classic players have low-wind P90s. The J Massics have low-wind P90s. They're not truly uh, JM-style pickups. My JM Pro, P90s. A P90 works beautifully for praise and worship. It has the high end of a single coil, some some girth in the mid-range that you can use uh, when things get going a little more. Why hasn't Gibson tried to get into these markets? Why haven't we seen more Les Pauls? Um, why haven't we seen more like newer Gibsons, sort of similar in a style to Gretsch, where they could be putting P90s in there and some Bigsby's and stuff and be making some really awesome hollow body guitars? I mean, it's just silly, uh, all the what they're leaving on the table. I hope that we get some better QC. I hope that we really get some better pickups. I really hope we get some better pickups. Because the humbuckers Gibson has been putting out in recent years, I just am, I don't love, I don't love, I don't love the 57 classics, I don't love the burst buckers, and I feel like whoever at Gibson is designing these pickups, it's almost like, it's almost like, I don't, I don't know, they, they, they're, they're doing this exaggerated sort of version of a Les Paul, where it's so mid-rangey, it's like really dark and almost unusable, sometimes, some of the guitars just don't sound good. And so they really got to adopt this sort of, uh, you know, low wind, brighter, you know, more clarity humbucker type of voicing. Because, I mean, other people are doing it. It appears that some of the vintage stuff is actually voiced that way. So I'm not really sure what they're doing with the spec on the humbuckers. But I truly, truly hope Gibson can pull its way out of this. I'll tell you what I'd like to see. 
I'd like to see Gibson really lean more into the Firebird or a similar type guitar and take a body style like that, which is their offset, and really try to push into the offset market. The offsets are so popular. Why don't we have maybe a modern version of uh, of the Firebird that could have like a single coil or two? Why doesn't Gibson just go, hey, here's two P90s in the neck and middle and like a telly bridge on a Firebird and say, this is a modern take on the instrument. This is an instrument that never happened. This is like a modded guitar that could have been. You know, why don't they just get more into like, hey, here, uh, here's a P90 in the neck or like something like that. And then like, here's a, um, a humbucker in the bridge, you know, kind of like what Reverend's done with some of their models. That would be brilliant. That would be beautiful. Um, you know, Gibson has a heritage of using P90s. I don't know why they're not leaning into that more. The Epiphone stuff to me is the biggest wide open market. Epiphone has so much heritage and you still have guys like Robin Ford playing old Sheratons, old, um, uh, just old Epiphone guitar, Rivieras. Uh, I think there's so many ways you could repurpose. If you don't want to like, if you just want to leave Gibson with the more traditional instruments, I get it. I get it in some ways, but I think there's room, like Fender showing, to experiment. But I think Epiphone, if you can make a made in America Epiphone line that is sort of the more alternative guitars, I think you would kill with that stuff. I really do. I think if you just go back and make some Japanese stuff, uh, like the, the Epiphone Elitist was, but just... Give us, I don't even think you need to give us the Gibson headstock. I think you just embrace the old vintage Epiphone stuff and um, and get away from the coronet, the cornet and stuff. Like the, it, the, That's not what I mean. Those are just kind of funky. I just mean like, how about we get like a really nice casino again with a Bigsby? How about we get our Riviera again? Um, how about we get that stuff and really great quality, maybe made in Japan or made here again with with some like you know, really bright, clear humbuckers, something that would appeal more to the indie player, to the P&W player. Um, and we might even find that some blues players really like that stuff, that, that just singer-songwriters are going to find their way towards those instruments. I, what's funny is sometimes I feel like Gibson actually was doing the right thing, but they don't stick with things. I think the Midtown series from Gibson was actually kind of cool. I bought one, and it's not a good guitar, and that's what's unfortunate. It's a great idea executed so poorly. I love how people say, like, well, even when Gibson innovated, they didn't win. No, they innovated, and then and then their innovation wasn't carried out well. Like, execution is what matters when you're making high-quality guitars. I have a Midtown. It's not as good as my ES-335. I have a Midtown. I want it to be better. It's not. I'm going to sell it. It looks fine on the wall right now, which is why I've been meaning to sell it for the last couple weeks. And guess what? The Midtown has a broken headstock. Let me ask you this real question. If you're going to make the most true Les Paul, I get why you don't change the neck angle. I mean the headstock angle. I get why you don't change it while you do it to vintage correct. But the Gibson Midtown didn't exist back then. So why wouldn't you just change the headstock angle so that the neck so that it wouldn't break as easy. I'll tell you why. It would take the smallest amount of retooling, and they don't even want to do that. You know, there's even been people in Gibson history that have tried to make better pickups, and um, they just they didn't want to go with it. They it was too expensive to do this or that. And you know who has um, the all the old original wire? Who went out and found NOS wire? 
that they used to make um, the original PAF pickups out of? Paul Reed Smith. Do you know who's dedicated himself to using that wire to making pickups that sound like particular years, like the 5708, like the 5909s, like the 5310s? Paul Reed Smith. I really, I really still sort of in the back of my head wish that Paul Reed Smith could buy Gibson. Because I think, man, if someone, maybe that's Joe Bonamassa, I don't know. You need someone who loves it that much. Who loves it that much. And what I appreciate about Joe Bonamassa is he loves those guitars for what they are. I, 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 I can't believe Gibson never got it. It hasn't gotten more into amps. Those gold tone amps are actually pretty incredible. We sold some Kemper profiles of, of, of a modern gold tone amp, and it sounds great. It's actually, it's free. I shouldn't say we sold them. It's all free. Um, but Gibson has so much opportunity, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that for all of us guitar players, Gibson soars like a phoenix out of the ashes, because I think they really can. I don't think they're in the ashes, but... What's unfortunate about this is that these bad guitars they made for the past 15 years, and I'll say they're bad because while there's a lot of great Gibson guitars out there, it doesn't seem like some models are good and some are bad. No, it seems like some of the quality control is so off that sometimes four or six guitars out of ten have really really some noticeable issues. Is that guitars don't wear out and you don't throw them in the garbage. They're going to stay in the used ecosystem. And what worries me is that... Um, you know, Gibson is, I actually think the, as Gibson starts making better guitars, people are quickly going to identify the bad years at Gibson. And, um, you're going to see reverb listings that say, um, you know, post 2018 guitar or that 2019 and later are really the good years. And then people are going to say, you know, for like in the nineties were the good stuff. I think this period from like 2000 to 2018 is going to, I think we're going to see some prices fall on used stuff, or at least prices not remain very strong as new stuff comes out. Because I think, I think if the new company is smart, they're going to do what Gibson hasn't been doing. They're going to improve. They're going to make some new, uh, they're going to make some changes to the instrument and they're going to get that stuff all over YouTube, all over Facebook. They're going to put it all over Pete Thorne. They're going to put it all over the guys at Andertons. They're going to put it, they are going to be so aggressive if they understand how to sell guitars and how to sell things in today's economy. They're going to be so aggressive in telling the story that the new Gibsons are going to be more accurate, made with more love. They're going to have more mojo. They're going to use the, the best magnets in this technique that they weren't using. They're going to go back to it. They're going to reissue these little things that they've taken away from the guitars that aren't there anymore that they used to have. And it's going to be a great story. And what's going to happen is all our guitars that are in the middle, which there may be some standouts that are really nice, I think uh, resale is going to not be as strong on there. I don't think they're going to plummet, but I think resale is not going to be as strong. Um, I'm hopeful for Gibson Guitars, and I am really looking forward to uh, this bankruptcy. is going to take a little while, and I think we're going to see some really, really great models um, coming out in 2020. It's too late for 2019. We're already in May. They're just now declaring bankruptcy. They're not going to be able to change any practices at least till the end of the year. And by that time, they're, they're, so the models are already set for 2019. They're already putting in the works now. Hopefully in 2020, if they're quick, if not 2021, we're probably going to see some radical changes. We might see some stuff in 2020, but we're a little ways out. So get used to it. Buckle in. Let's see what happens with Gibson Guitars. I am confident. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Chone Junkie podcast. 
uh, episode three. This has been um, really great. I really appreciate the support. I hope this episode wasn't too long, but I just had some things I wanted to say. So really appreciate it. We're going to have some guests coming up on the podcast. I'm hoping episodes like six or seven have some guests on it. So appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, wherever. Thanks. Appreciate it. HW, out.